Hi, I'm Meredith. And I'm Katie. And you're listening to I'm Not Scared, You're Scared. A horror movie podcast. If you are a fan of the show, please like and follow us on iTunes and Spotify and review us. It'll help spread the word. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared or email us at I'm Not Scared, You're Scared at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us. It's Friday night. I'm so tired. So, so done. (laughs) Just so very done. The life of a teacher. Yeah. Um, We are doing Friday the 13th. No, we aren't. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) That's what it says. Oh my God, no. We're doing Nightmare on Elm Street. (laughs) We have to keep this. We have to keep this outtake. No, we did Friday the 13th in like our first year. It's on my note. Yeah. Well, and and I can see that the phrasing and everything, they're kind of synonymous. I get it. I I don't know why. I always get those confused, but they're like not even remotely similar. Not remotely similar. It's just the phrasing. See, this is how tired I am, boys and girls. Boys and girls. And so I think that, <laughs> that Nightmare means... Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, I think that this is a good moment to ask, what's new with you, Meredith? I'm so tired. You're like, I just found out we're doing Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> I just found out we're doing Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, there's ghosts in, those ca- in, those, in that camp. I have already. Oh, man. Um, we're a hot mess right now. Now, I... This... We had... I had, like, a... Sub Wednesday and Thursday. I was not sick, but we, um, my, our amazing engineer, Victor and I, we drove down to the venue to do, um, eat the food, look at the flowers. Ooh, that's and, a long drive, right? I mean, yeah. Yeah. It was six hours. And then the next morning we did two to get to the, like the area where the venue is. And then we drove two hours back and then the next morning, two hours back to, Ugh. I mean, I was a passenger princess as I usually am (laughs) but um I'm still tired but it was good like we kind of had an idea of what we wanted to do for our appetizers and the dinner and all that and got to try a lot of it and kind of rule things out or add things and it was it was fun to see also our wedding venue kind of set up Uh a little bit like halfway done um it wouldn't be it's gonna be full of tables because you know marrying an Italian man who Loves tables. He loves tables so much. <laughs> you know those Italians and their tables. And, and they have all the people that are part <laughs> of their family. So it was cool, um, you know, just getting to do that. We invited his mom and she came up and um, met up with us. And she was really excited to, you know, oh, fun. participate. And we and she ate the food with us and all the appetizers. And we talked about it. And, and um, it's just like a, it was a lovely evening even though if, if I was exhausted so yeah. and then I came back and I was been flying by the seat of my pants because I <laughs> have not prepped at all yeah, you're this like week I'm here I'm, what more do you want <laughs> uh, I'm like oh my gosh so I've been just running on empty all day and you know doing what I need to do and when you're a teacher I don't know educators out there you know I'm basically preaching to the choir but you to get a sub you know that you're going to come back and my room was not too bad. It wasn't too yeah. messy. But sometimes stuff, they so. just do whatever the fuck they want. Very true. Or they don't show up. But <laughs> luckily, <laughs> luckily the sub was um, pretty great. And, but it's just, you know, you have to plan and prep and do all the lesson planning and, and prepare everything for the following weeks. And I usually take 
time during the week, like Wednesday, you know, mm-hmm. Tuesday, yeah. Wednesday, to start at least getting next week's stuff ready. And so, so now you're behind on next week I'm already. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And so it's, you know, you're just always kind of playing catch up all the time and even more so when you have a sub. So yeah. luckily I wasn't sick or anything, so it could have been much worse, but that's what's new with me. We're excited to do that's wedding awesome. planning Can't stuff. wait. We have six months about clock is ticking yeah i know Ooh. okay <laughs> um anyway what's new with you katie and do you have a doozy for me um i got one word for you no asbestos <laughs> where um so up your butt <laughs> i mean possibly no in my lungs from Which, where possibly my classroom um so and mm. i i shouldn't make you know, bold statements like this so we know our, you know, our school opened in 1948. So obviously there's, everybody knows there's asbestos in the pipe coverings and the ceiling tiles and the floor tiles and yada, yada. And every year we have to sign a waiver saying that we are aware that we work in a building that has, you know, asbestos products and building materials and that they're in a long-term mitigation process, X, Y, and Z. So um yeah yesterday yesterday you signed your lungs away i sure did um yesterday i was just nearing the end of my first fifth grade lesson of the day and i started getting chest pains Mm -hmm. and then it was right before we switched um for me to take the other fifth grade class and during my next lesson the pain escalated to like really excruciating radiating chest pains like my entire torso to the point where i was like well guess who is finding someone to cover my class for the rest of the day and going to urgent care yeah. Um, but then during lunch, at once I was able to like sit down and, you know, calm down a little bit and I wasn't actively teaching, uh, the pain subsided a little bit. And so I was like, okay, it's fine. I'll finish the day. And I knew the lessons that I had left with, um, the two sixth grade classes were ones where I, and like I explained to the kids, I'm like, look, listen, <laughs> Uh, your teacher is having chest pains. <laughs> so what we usually do this way today, you're going to do this way all on your own. So I can go sit the at my life desk. The of a teacher to just deal with chest pains and get through the day uh, rather right. than bring us up. And <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, and so, you know, fortunately the class classes that I had, they were really great. They totally handled it. I was able to get through the rest of the day, went to urgent care last night Um, they did, they checked my vitals. They gave me an EKG. Everything seemed fine in terms of like, I wasn't having a heart attack, but my dad died of a pulmonary embolism when he was 52. Um, and so it's like, well, let's just, you know, let's just double check. Yeah. But at urgent care, they, you know, their ability, like the types of tests they can run are kind of limited. Um, and so they, uh, (laughs) I'm talking with the, whatever physician's assistant at the end and she's like okay well we've rolled out this and this and this and so she you know suggesting that I had some sort of like I mean she was using the word oh god infiltrant and mm-hmm. I was like oh girl I'm pretty sure that's not a word I'm like you're the doctor but I'm an English teacher and I don't think that's a <laughs> word um but basically like something foreign in my lung mm-hmm. and um because it's just one lobe of my lung that was in pain and um and I was like, well, you know, what what could it potentially be? And she goes, well, you know, there's a couple of things she said it, you know, it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't be an asbestos exposure. I was like, hold up, hold up. Huh. It could be an asbestos exposure because like I've had um, and I don't know if I've complained to you to this already, but I've had floor tiles busted in my classroom. I had yeah. some from last year uh-huh. and then some that just broke at our the threshold of my doorway um, just in the past week or so. 
Mm-hmm. And I had to like, the kids kept tripping over the rubber threshold piece. And then I, so I actually had to like remove it so that they would stop tripping over it. And now there's just like broken pieces of floor tile that has asbestos in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, listen, lady, I know you think it's unlikely that someone in this modern era would be just rampantly exposed to asbestos, but uh, that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my husband spent all day today trying to get me um, an appointment to have a, what did they call it? It was a pulmonary, um, not output. Infiltrant. Infiltrant. No, um, just basically like a, a, to go somewhere where they could actually properly test my lungs and do a CT scan and figure out because right now I'm not at the same level of discomfort, but I can't breathe deeply. So mm-hmm. if I like every time I had to go up the flight of stairs at school today, I was like totally winded. Um, and I can't like really bend over, reach or do anything that causes my, like the upper part of my torso to shift or bend or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm not dying, but it's not good. Yuck. Yeah. Like you don't want to have something wrong with your lungs. No. Right. And the only thing I would think of is a weird muscle pull. Yeah. But that's one of the things that they ruled out at urgent care. They said if it was musculoskeletal, they gave me this big ass injection and they were like, if it's musculoskeletal, it'll go away in like five minutes. And it didn't. So like, okay, well, it's not that then. Yeah. We gave you that giant injection in your ass (laughs) for no reason. (laughs) Sorry. Sorry, listeners. That was TMI. Do you still see the the weird shaped (laughs) bruise? I know. Sorry. Don't laugh too hard. No. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that's where I am. And I'm like, I was just saying this to my husband earlier tonight. I'm the kind of person that typically like worries or spirals or, you know, gets caught up in, um, hypotheticals or eventualities or anything like that. But they're, you know, I'm, I'm willing to acknowledge that it's like, okay, well, there's not a lot that we could find out going on with this. That's good. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You're growing a third lung, which we can donate to somebody. You're a medical miracle. (laughs) We're going to pay you millions of dollars to study you. And all you have to do is drink wine oh my <laughs> um, god sign me up right she's like i'll take Ugh. a third lung um anyway so yeah i'm not it's not like i'm really upset or worried or concerned unfortunately i'm not in a lot of pain anymore but uh, that you know this story's still evolving so stay tuned stay tuned <laughs> asbestos infiltrate the silent killer <laughs> infiltrant in her lung infiltrant oh. tonight at 10 o'clock doctors who make up words <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, that's rotten. I'm sorry. Thanks. Is it like a rule that both of us have to go to urgent care or ER with chest pains? I mean, that was me. Like, wh- six and what, months what ago. did yours turn out to be? Um, it Stress? was inflammation of the chest wall from having RSV, a cold oh, okay. RSV, and then COVID. Yeah. And I was yeah, because like, that's I one of the things they asked me. Sense, they were like, "Have so you had any sick. viruses? Have you had COVID and everything?" And I haven't. Yeah, not lately, right? Yeah, so. no, the last time I had COVID was last June. I mean, it's yeah. the only time that I'm aware that I've had COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... Wait, two Junes ago. Not this last June. I don't... I don't remember. At all time. What is time? What is... Time has no meaning. <laughs> it all runs together. Time is a flat circle. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I have say that, um, Matthew stuff. McConaughey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope everything gets ruled out and... Thanks. It maybe just buggers off. Yeah, I'm sure they just have to, like, stick a a Dyson tube down my throat, suck whatever it is out. It's just like a splinter. Ideally. Right? You're like, 
Yeah. I'm just get it out. I'm sure just like a deep tissue massage will take care of it. Just a shot. Just get the Lorenda massage it right out. Yeah. So here (laughs) it's titled Friday the 13th. (laughs) Fooled you. But it is. Wouldn't that be hilarious if your recap was actually of Friday the 13th like you did the wrong movie? Oh, I'm so. Start reading it. That's how my day's going. (laughs) Okay. So I did the recap this this, uh, episode and I will. I always start at the beginning of my recap super detailed in the end. I'm like, well, and then she died. Or like, like, it's like. And then another hour passed and the credits. <laughs> Mika cried. Wait, no. Katie, Katie comforts. Cried, Mika comforts Katie, her. Katie cries, Mika comforts her. <laughs> okay, so it opens with a raspy breathing sound, welding, create, and somebody in a metal shop of some kind creating a pair of metal claws. Then we see a girl in a nightgown running down a drippy, wet tunnel. She keeps pausing to look around. Something calls her out to her and says, Tina. Then a lamb. <laughs> and she goes, mark? yes, God. <laughs> yes. A lamb comes running down the tunnel and we hear uh, cackling in the background. I'm sorry. Are you saying that you missed the symbolism of the lamb? It's God. No, it's lambs to the slaughter. Oh, Tina, whatever. Tina's going to get slaughtered. Not yet, though. Spoiler <laughs> alert. God damn it. <laughs> I'm only one paragraph angry, and, and I've already ruined it. it. I'm sorry. It's it's my black lung. <laughs> uh, so Tina continues to be pursued as she walks through rooms with steaming pipes, workrooms, etc. Then she sees a sheet that it's it gets cut up by a claw. She screams in terror and runs away. Suddenly, someone appears behind her and scares her, kind of grabbing her. And Tina wakes up in her own bed with a jolt. She sits up, and um, it was just a dream, but her nightgown is all cut up. Her mom gives her sage advice, and she says, stop it. (laughs) She's She's like, better cut your nails or stop that kind of dreaming. Stop that kind of dreaming. Um, (laughs) She takes a big swig from the gin bottle. (laughs) So then we see the viewers see jump roping girls singing about Freddy, and it's very, like, kind of dreamy um, yeah weird kind of dream sequence the following morning we see Tina and her friend Nancy and Glenn who's Glenn who's Johnny Depp going to school his film debut debut. oh my god he's so young (laughs) she tells them about her bad dreams later that night Glenn and Nancy decide to stay with Tina uh, because her mom's out of town and Tina is afraid to be alone because she keeps seeing that guy's weird face and she talks about her um, with his fingernails, too. Nancy comments that she has had the same dream also. Um, and t- Tina thinks that's a little bit odd that they're ha- dreaming about the same person. They're probably on the same menstrual cycle, too. Probably. So the three of them hear something outside. And it's Tina's awesome boyfriend, Rod. Oh, and, it's uh, such a dream boat. He's there for some reason. And Tina is cool with it. But also, like, don't leave me to Nancy and Glenn. Uh, Glenn tries to get some action going, but Nancy uh, quickly shuts him down. She says, um, you know, we're here for Tina, we're not here for, for Tina and not for, you know, yeah, not to like. She's like a little bit of a prude, but she's just, she's very, she's, she's a square. I wouldn't say a prude, but she's yeah. a square. Mm-hmm. So let's see. Cut to over overacted teenager sex. Um, like oh rod we're so doing this right yeah (laughs) glenn is bummed he's he's like i forget it i wish i was doing it right yeah he's like screw uh i can't remember chastity no he doesn't say that but um oh 
Yeah, what yeah. A, what does he say? Morality? Morality, yeah. Screw morality. Broad, in the bedroom, Broad comments that they won't argue or have any more fights or nightmares. And Tina is surprised that Rod is also having nightmares. So she's like, what? <laughs> Later that night, Tina wakes up to pebbles being thrown at her window and her name whispered. Meanwhile, Nancy, um, they, what in the world? Lancy is, Lancy. <laughs> Let me try that again. Nancy is asleep and we see the wall above her. It's kind of a the consistency of a rubber balloon and we see a face being pressed into it. It looks like Freddy. Uh, Nancy wakes up and puts the cross back on the wall uh, and then she checks, kind of feels the wall to see if it's solid. Um, As one does. Yeah. She's just concerned for the structural integrity I of her friend's she's, house. She's just like, dreaming probably that that happened and like woke up and was like, <laughs> No, she's oh, in earthquake country. Heck? She knows that she needs Is to she? check that shit. Yeah, well, maybe not. I know that may, later on I feel like, oh no, they're in Ohio. Sorry, I, the most recent one that I watched was the Wes Craven's New Nightmare and they're in L.A. Well, it was shot in L.A., so... Yeah. But no, no, Springfield's supposed to be in Ohio. <laughs> right, right, right. So, in the backyard, Tina comes out and she's following a voice. It keeps calling out to her. She marches out into the backyard and into the alley to investigate. Finally, we see a cackling man with claws and as he appears. She gets chased by a laughing and cackling Freddy. He stops her and shows her that he can cut his off his own fingers. He does it kind of, he's like, hee hee, kind of. <laughs> it's a little bit strange. Cheeky bugger. Uh, he chases her and tackles her, ripping his own face off to just scare her more. At this point, Rod jumps out of the bed in real in real life while she's um, dreaming and to see a floating Tina get ripped to shreds as she's she floats up to the ceiling it's a very very iconic um, yeah she's like dragged across the wall across the ceiling just yeah. leaving streaks of blood it's a crazy scene um and she's covered in blood as she writhes in the air and then um tina has died nancy gets into the room uh, it's locked she's demanding to get in uh, to see a dead tina on the ground and rod has jumped out of the window because he assumes he's going to take the blame for this. Um, he's also kind of, he has a, he's a little bit of a hood background yeah. too. Mm-hmm. So, and, and at the police station, Nancy's dad shows up and is wondering what the heck is going on. He's also a Lieutenant, I think. Or yeah, Sergeant, I something. Mr. Important. Big Shot. <laughs> yeah. Nancy's adamant that it wasn't Rod. Her dad. Oh yeah. Here it is. Hi. I wrote, I wrote a note. Dad is, her dad is also a Lieutenant and he wants answers. After a night of bad sleep, Nancy insists on going to school. She starts walking and is pulled into the bushes by Rod. He tells her he didn't do it. And Nancy's dad shows up and manages to call back up and arrest Rod. Nancy is mad and storms off to school because she's like, You set me up. You used me as bait. I used me. Um, And the dad's like, Yeah, well, what are you going to do? So... (laughs) So... Then um, Lynn Shay is teaching high school literature. A then a student starts reading um, for a passage, and um, I think it's like English lit. It's like Hamlet or something. Mm-hmm. I think, and it appears that Nancy is about to fall asleep. So then she sees a bloody Tina zipped up in a body bag in the hallway, and um, she gets up to investigate and go into the hallway. She sees her friend Tina being dragged away. Nancy follows a blood trail and runs into a girl with Freddy's sweater on. 
He taunts her, and then she runs, going down to the basement. Nancy enters the boiler room and calls out to Tina. She hears Freddy breathing and sees him emerge from the shadows. He cuts himself, and he taunts her, slowly pursuing her and holding out his claws. He keeps telling her, I'm going to get you. I'm going to get you. Come to Freddy. I'm going to get your nose. (laughs) Nancy wakes up after she burns her arm in her dream. And her teacher tries to uh, comfort her or be like, do you need help? And she's like, ah, and she kind of runs out. Nancy leaves the school and she notices that she has a big red welt on her arm in real life. Mm -hmm. So then she goes to talk to Rod in jail. Rod tells her that whoever it was, was under the covers with her or someone was there and he cut her well. Well, he watched. He says there are four razors that cut her all at once. That sounds familiar to Nancy. And Rod describes Freddy to her. She leaves, but not before telling Rod that she doesn't think that he did it. Yeah. So Nancy takes a bath, relaxing on a bath pillow. <laughs> nice little I, inflatable shell. I put the note. I put the note. One that I used to have when I was a kid. Did you really? <laughs> and we see Freddy's hand reach up suggestively out of the bathtub. Um, with his claws kind of like sticking out of the top, kind of like it reminded me of like a shark, you oh, know, yeah, like yeah. the top yeah. of the bed. Well, in that angle, <sighs> the camera angle from like the foot of the tub, she's got her knees like relaxed out to the side. Mm-hmm. It's like obviously everything is submerged, but we know we know where the the glove is coming from. <laughs> yeah, suggestive. Uh, her mom checks on her, and she has fallen asleep. <laughs> I love um, that. She's like, I "Made you some warm milk." She's like, "Warm milk." And then, um, so she falls asleep and is dragged out of the tub and down into the water. Uh, And at this point, she takes, she, you know, she manages to get out of it, gets woken up by her mother again. She, at this point, she just takes um, something kind of like a no-dose of some kind to stay awake. Mm -hmm. Nancy keeps almost drifting off and decides to get up and walk around. Glenn shows up and climbs in her window. Nancy asks him if she believes in the boogeyman. She asks him to stand watch. They turn off the light and later she's out walking in the dark on her block. She stops to see if Glenn is still watching. He is. She goes to the jail and sees a sleeping Rod. Freddy enters Rod's jail jail cell, but then he disappears. Outside, she sees Tina in a body bag and it's kind of gross and there's like worms and stuff around it. And then out pops freddy and um he attacks her but she wakes up because her alarm clock goes off and she's really mad at glenn because he just fell asleep next to her I love that that the way she delivers that line she goes all i asked you to do is one simple thing just wake me up if it looked like i was having a bad dream she goes and what did you do you shit i know <laughs> she's freaking pissed i'm like you tell him so um Let's see. Her mom checks on her. Glenn is gone. Nancy goes to check on Rod. And then it looks like he is being strangled. Or she goes to check on Rod at the police station. The jail, yeah. And in the meantime, it looks like he's being strangled in his sleep. Nancy convinces her dad and the night shift officer to please go check on him. She's like, something's going on. Go check on him. Mm-hmm. But it's too late and Rod has been strangled to death. But it looks like he hung himself. Yes, it looks like he hung himself. Um, Nancy goes to Rod's funeral and she tells her dad that the killer is still on the loose. She describes Freddy to her dad and he's like, yeah, okay, honey. And then he helps her like basically pass her head and puts her into the car. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nancy's mom tells her dad that she's getting 
her some help. And later she gets a dream study done or a sleep study and her doctor and mom watch. Meanwhile, her test readings start going crazy and then they have to wake her. She pulls Freddie's hat from out from under her covers and everyone's sort of mystified. Like, where did you get that? She like <laughs> retrieved it from her dreams. Uh, let's see. Meanwhile, Nancy's hair is going great and she's pounding coffee. She tells her mom that there is a guy going after them in her dreams. Nancy tells her mom that the hat had a name on it, Fred Krueger, and her mom tells her, well, he's dead. Mm, interesting. Dun, dun, dun. Later, Nancy has a conversation with Glenn about dreaming, and she is reading a book um, about booby traps. She returns home to find her home is covered in bar- with bars all over the on the windows. It's kind of on lockdown. Mm-hmm. At this point, her mom tells her who Fred Krueger was, a child murderer who killed 20 kids. He got out, and the parents tracked him down. They poured gasoline on, on his hideout, and they watched him burn to death. She even has his knives. Yeah. I love it when she was like, Fred Krueger can't kill you, honey, because mommy killed him. Because mommy killed him. Glug, glug, glug. That's what you want to hear from your mom. <laughs> so later, Nancy asks for Glenn, Glenn's help at midnight. She wants to help. She wants to bring him out of her dream. She asks him not to fall asleep or else. He falls asleep, and his mom wakes him. It's 11.42, and then we see Nancy finally falling asleep. Not. She gets up and takes out her hidden hot coffee pot, chugs more coffee, and then gets dressed. How did her mom not smell that coffee brewing? Yeah, no. I mean, I think if if I were that, it's like, they make instant coffee crystals. Like, why would you bother hiding like an actual coffee maker in it's your bedroom. It's a comedic effect. Yeah. Well, no, and like I love, and I can't remember if it was at this point or like a, a, a little bit later, but when she like looks in the mirror and, and this is like, you know, like you said, she's going gray. She's totally haggard. Like she's been through the ringer. And she goes, God, I look 20 years old. <gasps> and it's like, it's funny because that's supposed to be like, a, oh, I'm so old. 20 is so old. But also the actress was 20 when she made the movie. <laughs> That's funny. A little, little tongue-in-cheek right There's, there. There's um, Taster's Choice. She got should have gotten Taster's Choice. Yeah, absolutely. Like a little cappuccino or whatever. <laughs> uh, let's see. Where am I going? Um, okay, so she chugs more coffee. Then she gets dressed. Glenn's mom and dad hang out on the porch. Uh, she's drinking a coffee, I think. Her dad's drinking a, a beer. And they're yeah. like looking at I'm the I'm sure house. her coffee is decaf. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they comment that they don't want Nancy hanging out with Glenn anymore because she's nuts. That girl's trouble. <laughs> that she's trouble. I'm got to keep her away from our precious boy. Well, he was Johnny Depp. He was pretty <laughs> precious. <laughs> Nancy peeks out of her room to see her mom chugging booze in the hallway. She calls Glenn and his mom answers. Glenn is asleep. She pulled the cord out of the wall and magically the phone rings. Uh, she answers and the phone tries to lick her. As it does, uh, with sometimes. the tongue sticking out, yeah. she tries to leave, but the doors are locked. Glenn is asleep, and the bed eats him, basically, and blood shoots up from his bed, The Shining style. Yeah, yeah, that scene—that's a pretty mm. iconic scene. Yeah, um, where you know, like he gets—he's sitting, he's laying on the bed, he's watching TV on his little like small tube, you know, kind of portable tube television. It's got the giant over-ear headphones on and everything, and then all of a sudden he just like starts getting pulled down into the middle, and it's like pulling and pulling him, and then it, but it pulls like the TV down, and you see the cords going down behind him, and then everything is like sucked in, it's all gone, and then there's like just a beat, like a little pause, and then that. 
torrent of blood just rockets out of the hole in the yeah, middle of the crazy. bed, hits the ceiling, and then like floods outward on the ceiling. It's crazy. It, it made that little, it, well, it kind of reminded me a little bit of It Follows, where she's looking across the street and she's like, wants to see if her friend's okay. And mm-hmm. then she sees the entity or whatever that is walking after, you know, going into Glenn's house, or not Glenn, but her friend's house. Yeah, yeah. The guy and, um, you know, she's trying to like get his attention and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And the sequence a little bit reminded me of that. Okay. Or it should be reverse, but um, that's fresher on my mind than, yeah, yeah, yeah. than this than this apparently Friday the thirteenth, not Friday the thirteenth. <laughs> <laughs> so oh then his mom goes into his room and she makes that horrific discovery. So L- Lieutenant Thompson, Nancy's dad, shows up. Nancy watches all the she's all sad from the window. Blood is pulling from the ceiling. She's like, I had the hottest boyfriend in school. I know. And then Nancy calls him. She asks him to break into the house while she goes to get him. She says, like, you know, Dad, I'm going to go to sleep. Please come in in, like, 15 minutes. Yeah. I'm going to bring him out. I I need you you to to arrest him. Her dad just wants her to sleep. He's like, yeah, okay, fine. Whatever you need. Go to sleep. (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Um... So he's, but he, but he does put a cop outside of her her house mm-hmm. to sort of watch. Um, then cue the montage of booby traps. Yeah, this Home Alone style. Yeah, Nan- Nancy tucks in her mom and sets her alarm. Nancy goes to pursue Freddy, and she goes to the boiler room. Freddy thinks that this is a hoot as he's cackling. She keeps going as he hears her friends. She hears her friends talking about their fears. She goes, go, keeps going, and calls out to Kruger. Long, it's a long scene of her looking for him, and then she finds Glenn's bloody headphones. He finally comes out and chases her, but she keeps losing him because he he likes sort of taunting her and messing with her. Yeah. She wakes and Freddy is gone, but there he is again chasing her in her own house. She yells out for her dad to come help her as Freddy fumbles around in her booby traps. <laughs> she manages to set Freddy on fire and trap him in the basement. The cops break into the house and Freddy attacks her mom, killing her and making her disappear. Also, after transforming her into like a skeleton. Yep. It was like Raiders of the Lost Ark style. <laughs> Yeah, they're like, this is what general duty do to you. <laughs> <laughs> Nancy asks for a moment alone as she looks at her mom's bed, but her mom is not there anymore. Freddie emerges from the bed, and Nancy tells the emerged Freddie that she takes back all of the energy that she gave him. And basically, you don't scare me anymore. And then he kind of goes, ah! And then, um... He's like, he's like a balloon that's had that's been let go, and all the air is like... <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh no. So then... <laughs> The next morning, Nancy and her mom walk out of the front door. They look refreshed. Her friends show up to drive Nancy, and the roof looks like Freddy's sweater. Nancy screams for help um, when she gets in and realizes it's kind of a trap. And her mom is pulled through the door by Freddy's arms. It's kind of a window kind of yeah, door. Yeah, a window in the middle of the door. And she's kind of like there and then like, whoop, not. Well, they like they did. It's it's probably it may be one of the worst bits I've seen in any horror movie ever because the actress is standing there waving and then it cuts away and then it cuts back and it shows like his arm smashing through the window outward, grabbing her 
And then the cut is to basically like a blow up sex doll in her dress that the arm like pulls through this tiny window. And and it's like, like, I'm sorry, what I who who's who's falling for this? Like me, I was terrified. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And that is the end of Nightmare on Elm Street. (laughs) (laughs) Did you think this is scary? Okay. So, no, of course it's not scary. He has explaining to do. Oh, my God. So, uh, yeah, a little background here. Meredith valiantly did that recap, even though she has little to no interest in this movie or the franchise as a whole. Um, though I, I like to think that you recognize it's, it's standing in horror. I mean, I have a shirt with him on it. Right. And I know that, like, when I was a child... I remember being like, ooh. Yeah. But um, in my adulthood, I'm like, eh, not yeah. for me, which is fine. Yeah. So, like, back in the day when I would go to the video store and rent entire horror series and watch them all at once, like old school binging, mm-hmm. um, this was one of the early ones that I did. And I would say for most of my early teen, teenage, young adult years, the Freddy Krueger series was my favorite horror mm-hmm. franchise. Mm-hmm. Um, it is no longer, but... Um, what is it now? I mean, I, it's still a slasher. It's still either Jason or Michael. Um, and the thing is that what I what made Freddy stand out then, and it still does now, is that he has personality. Most of the slasher villains, they're, they, they don't speak. They don't have emotion. They don't interact. They don't do anything. They just kill. And he is all personality. Mm-hmm. He's like fucking on all the time. He's like a Chucky, but not. Yeah, he's like, he's a little too on sometimes. <sighs> um, so... I don't remember at any point, actually, even when I was first seeing these, when I was like early, like early teens, um, finding these movies scary. But I have always really, really loved them. Um, And I actually I mean, we we didn't um, really map out our our plan for this episode um, before we began. I do have my notes on all the sequels, uh, but maybe before I begin that, I should ask. Did you think this was scary? No. <laughs> well, that's that. <laughs> no, I liked it. I saw the movie on like UPN or something yeah. when I was, I want to say eight or nine. And it was late at night and I was not supposed to be up watching TV. And mm. then I saw it was like Nightmare on Elm Street. And it had like. And you're like, place. what? Friday the 13th? <laughs> Friday the 13th. Oh, my stars. <laughs> Um, I remember my heart was racing and I was like, it was felt like the same as when I saw this is, um, after I saw it. Okay. So I was like, oh, and I got so scared and my brothers were asleep because they were like babies at the time or like toddlers and stuff. So I was watching probably 10 or 15 minutes and being like, ah, oh, and my palms were sweaty. I was like, oh, you know, just like was there a vomit on like, your sweater already. Mom's I spaghetti. Like, I was like, I was like Danny when he's in his, his, oh, uh, yeah. like, in his like, seizing like, up. Yeah. He was like, ooh, like that. Uh, and I turned it off. It was one of those dial kind of right. TVs. I turned it off and I went into the kitchen and a neighbor, like an older man, he was across, he lives across the street. He came over sometimes to just chat with my stepdad for like an hour at a time sometimes you know shooting the shit and Mm -hmm. my mom was there and they were just drinking some coffee or something I can't remember what was it taster's choice 
Probably. <laughs> probably. And I came in and I was like, ooh, visibly shaken. Mm-hmm. And my parents were like, are you okay? And I was like, I was watching a scary show. I, I said show, but mm-hmm. they're like, what happened? I was like, well, there was a bad man and he had like razor blade hands and stuff. And they're like, kids, the shows, the stuff they have on TV these days. And then they started, you know, going on. And I started was like, bullshitting on that. I was just and like, just... uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. Can I go now? <laughs> and then I left. I just needed like a minute of comfort. Yeah, yeah, with, yeah. You know, when Did I Did you get it? Um, yeah, they're like, it's so, oh, that's awful. And I'm like, yeah. And then later I was like, I want like, more of it. I want to say more of that. I want more of that feeling. <laughs> so <laughs> I acknowledge what it's done for the, you know, horror genre. Yeah. Lot, but I'm not a huge fan so yeah well and like any of these it's hard to imagine like seeing it when it was new um particularly like depending on what age you're at because I I do have a a mom friend at my kid's school who isn't she loves horror movies um but she's enough older than me that she had like older cousins so like they were high school age and she was like early like junior high age when the first one came out and so they they took her to see it in the theater and it was kind of like i don't know if like they got in trouble for taking her or whatever but it was like a don't don't tell anybody we're taking like because she was a little young to be seeing it and to imagine being like a 12 year old seeing this in the theater I probably really would have you, appreciated yeah, that. Yeah, you would have been scared. Yeah, Especially definitely. because of the kinds of things that you would have had an opportunity to see already at that point. This, like, there would have been nothing like this. Yeah. Like, now this is laughable next to all of the horror that's out there. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that I mean, time. there are parts that are kind of relatable where you, like, kind of think, oh, I've, oh, that is actually a part of a, when I'm having a bad dream where you're your feet can't are yeah. sticking and you're trying you're like to run trying and, to run and your like feet won't go motion. anywhere yeah so i think that ever a lot of people can probably relate to that being kind of terrifying yeah. so i i did appreciate parts of it where i'm like oh yeah that is kind of yeah. you know not great but. i see what you did there <laughs> <laughs> um okay well are you are you ready for me to dive into the sequels yeah i did have a few little fun facts but they're like not many are they so. all about the first one yes i think do you want to do those first? I think so. Well, there's only a few. Okay. Um, so I wanted to say that I think pro- if you're a fan of this, you know, this um, universe, I guess, you would know that the um, it was inspired by real life events. I mean, everyone knows this. But in case you don't, Craven decided to make The Nightmare of Elm Street after reading a series of L.A. Times articles about a group of teenagers um, who are uh, immigrants and who, after moving to the United States from refugee camps, died in their sleep after suffering from disturbing nightmares. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, I didn't know that until maybe 10 years ago. I was like, oh, you know. Yeah, definitely didn't know that initially. It it was like um, kind of celebrating the an anniversary of some kind okay. for the movie. So I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that's kind of cool to um, to learn that. Then also, Kruger is an amalgamation of Wes Ch- Craven's childhood terrors. Freddy was the name of a bully who beat the crap out of him in <laughs> elementary school. And the signature hat was based on the neighborhood drunk who just scared Craven when he, when he was very young. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Um, oh, and then also, the boiler room of the Nightmare on Elm Street, um, where it was shot, 
was the actual boiler room in the basement of the Lincoln Heights jail in L.A. Oh, wow. So I thought that was kind of cool. But yeah. then it was later condemned. Oh, interesting. Condemned because of asbestos. <laughs> <laughs> it goes all the way to the top. <laughs> oh, keeps going. And there's also one more. Where was it? Oh, I thought it was really uh, funny that the um, the that I made that connection, and it was very purposeful from Wes Craven. That um, the 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 blood shooting up from the bed. I was like, oh, oh yeah. shining style. Yeah. But it was a direct nod to Stanley Kubrick. It was intentional, shining. yeah. So it was intentional. So I should have made the connection. Um, and then the uh, they Sam Raimi and Wes Craven kept like nodding each other. So. Um, you know, Nancy's trying to stay awake and she's watching The Evil Den Evil by Dead, San yeah. Raimi. And then San Raimi, um, you know, ha- he included there was the, Freddy the Hills, Hive, Hills Have Eyes poster in one of his movies in um, Evil Dead. And then... Um, but is Hills Have Eyes Wes Craven? Yes. And then in Oh, a, the original. Sorry, yeah, I was yeah, thinking yeah. the remake. No, 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 the original. And then in The Evil Dead, uh, he... Uh, Evil Dead 2, he had Freddy's Knives, like, like you said. Um, and then there's one other thing. Oh, I didn't write this down, but I did think it was interesting that uh, the Elm Street part of the the movie was directly um, influenced by uh, JFK's assassination being so on Elm Street or like very close. I think the Texas Book Depository was on Elm oh. um, in, in Dallas. So I knew... Growing up in Dallas, I was like, mm-hmm. there's an Elm Street in Dallas, but like most towns do have that, but then they don't have this huge historical Memorial. thing happen yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, near there. So uh, that was also influence. interesting. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. And it's from my hometown, kind of. But. Yeah. So that's all I have. It was yeah. very short. But well, And then you did, well, I can, this will, this will come up later in one of the sequels, but um, yeah, so I'll try not to. I I always think back to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre episode where I talked for like seventy two hours about the sequels, <laughs> um, and so I try. You know, we you tried to rein it in. <laughs> yeah, especially because you know we could have done multiple episodes of this movie, and if Meredith had fonder feelings toward it, maybe I would have pushed for it. But mm-hmm. I will try to be succinct. Um, basically, what I did for each sequel is just like a really brief like. Um, idea of what the story was and then I tried to pick a favorite scene a favorite Freddy kill and a favorite Freddy quote or pun from each one <laughs> he is he he's has punny he's a punny guy um, so the original came out in 1984 the second one came out the next year in 85 it was called Nightmare on Elm Street 2 Freddy's Revenge um, the Walsh family moves into the Elm Street house, which was Nancy's house, and teenage son Jesse begins dreaming about Freddie. He finds Nancy's diary in his closet, and he and his sort of girlfriend, Lisa, try to figure out the story behind Freddie as Freddie tries to recruit Jesse to kill for him. Freddie possesses Jesse, but Lisa's love for him triumphs, and Freddie is vanquished. So that's okay. just kind of like, obviously, a very brief synopsis of the film. Mm-hmm. This is also famously a, like kind of bizarrely homoerotic uh sequel mm-hmm. uh it's it's that's the reputation that it has um what i noted for my favorite scene in it there's a scene where jesse because they just moved into the house he his dad has been on him to unpack his bedroom he's finally doing it and he pops on just some terrible terrible 80s music and some awful 80s sunglasses and is like 
jamming out in his room to the music while he's dumping boxes into his dresser. And there's a, a point where he's like, he bumps one of the dresser drawers closed with his ass, like he's along like, to the I'm beat of the music. Yeah. Oh my God. And then he like but. leaps onto the bed and is like some, using something as a microphone. I think it's a lamp with no shade. Uh-huh. And he's like kind of grinding on it a little bit right when his mom lets the girlfriend in. Wow. So that was a pretty special scene. Is that always how you did your chores? Absolutely. Every time I moved, that's You're how I am. grinding on a lamp yeah. while doing your chores. What are <laughs> you way, doing? How are they even getting done? <laughs> um, what I put for the best Freddy kill for that one is he has this uh, asshole gym teacher um, who turns out to be a secret leather daddy. Um, cool. Yeah, as the, as they do. And so there's um, this very bizarre sequence where they end up um, in the school gym together in the middle of the night with the gym teacher in his leather daddy garb. And um, the gym teacher ends up uh, death by sporting equipment. He gets kind of beaten by basketballs and then whipped to death. He's like, I'd hate that. I'd <laughs> hate getting that's, whipped that's, to death. That's the least favorite way I'd want to die. I don't want that. Yucky. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, man, and, that's wild. Uh, okay. <laughs> what I put for the best Freddy quote in this one, which is one that's pretty pretty recognizable or pretty significant, is... Um, there's a point where he's attacking all of these teenagers at a pool party and he makes this grand sweeping arm gesture and says, you are all my children now. Oh. And so it's like this idea because the premise in the original movie is that he's punishing the children of the, the adults that killed him. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, oh, he's branching out uh, and all children are fair game. Oh, you know, opening up the doors for that. That sounds like something Pinhead would say. Yeah, kind of. Kind of like weird. Yeah. Weird overtures. <laughs> and I would say that while while Freddy gets pretty punny at different points in this uh, franchise, um, it wasn't really there in this film. Mm-hmm. He wasn't he wasn't Mr. Comedy. Um, the next one came out two years later in 1987. It was called Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream Warriors. This is the one where I Has feel Patricia like. Arquette? Yeah, probably the strongest of okay. all of them, like right up there with the original. Mm-hmm. Um, so Heather Langenkamp returns as Nancy. Um, Patricia Arquette's introduced as another primary character, but you also have Lawrence Fishburne in mm-hmm. there in like a smaller role. And then John, John Saxon comes back. He played uh, Nancy's father in the first one. He mm-hmm. comes back in this one as her father again. So Heather returns post-college to help a group of institutionalized kids who are all experiencing, quote, dream delusions, a.k.a. Freddy dreams. Uh, Heather tells them, you're the last of the Elm Street kids. So she teaches them how to harness their strengths, their dream strengths, to fight back against Freddy in their dreams. Um, And some interesting elements in this, the... um, uh, institution that these kids are at is called Weston Hills. That's the name of an institution that gets used in a later sequel. Um, and also, um, this movie gives us um, Freddie's conception story. Um, the, this uh, idea that uh, he was born because a young nun who was uh, working at a, this institution back when it was like a madhouse, basically, got locked into a ward with all of these like psychopaths over a holiday weekend or something, because that's what they did. They just left them alone for a holiday weekend and didn't feed them or anything and just got raped hundreds of times and got pregnant. And that's where Freddie came from. So this is, this is the first movie where they introduced that idea idea like freddie's um conception Mm -hmm. um and this is the film i feel like where the puns really like start coming in full force Mm -hmm. um 
like there's a, a point where one of the kids is in a wheelchair and he's making a back in the saddle again joke, things like that. <laughs> um, my favorite scene from this one was that um, Freddie, they're they're trying to stop him this time by finding his bones that had been hidden by the parents that killed Find him. Find the bones! Find the bones and then bury them in hallowed ground. But of course the bones then form a really, really terrible digital skeleton that is fighting back against the people that are trying to bury it. And Aww. it is hilarious. It is so amazing. Is it worse than the the um, children of the corn? It's like, along la- those laser? lines. It has Lasers? that same it has that same like arcade graphics quality <laughs> a little bit. But it's so entertaining. Um, best Freddy kill for this one. I kind of had a, a tie, but I think the main there's a, a girl in the institution named Jennifer who wants to be an actress. She's watching an interview on TV of Zsa Zsa Gabor with Johnny Carson. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she falls asleep and Zsa Zsa starts talking some shit. And then Freddy's head grows out of the top of the TV. His arms spring out of the side of the TV, grab her by the shoulders, and then smash her head into the TV and kill her that way. So when they find her, she's hanging hanging head like head buried in this tv screen that's mounted up on the wall wow that's Um, crazy yeah and then that scene also gives the best freddy pun from that movie because he goes welcome to prime time bitch (laughs) so that's one that i mean there's a callback in a bunch of other uh sequels to that quote so that's a pretty significant quote of his Mm -hmm. so the fourth one uh came out the next year in 88 a Nightmare on Elm Street 4 called The Dream Master. So this is the survivors of number three. Mm-hmm. So Kristen, who was Patricia Arquette's character, but they recast her because Patricia knew better than to go back. She's like, I'm an Arquette. I She's like, I'm this. sorry, that was just a lark. <laughs> so it's her and then Joey and Kincaid are the two other boys that survived from the group in the institution. Now they're all out and they're attending high school, um, but they start to dream about Freddie again and their new friends at the school are pulled in, including Kristen's boyfriend Rick and Rick meek little sister Alice but as each of the friends dies one by one through Freddy killing them Alice keeps gaining their individual strengths until she's this ultimate dream badass that battles Freddy um, and defeats him because you know he's always got to be defeated at the end of all of these mm-hmm. um, I did like in this one also that her friend Kincaid had a dog whose name was Jason oh like, I'm sure that's yeah, right I'm is. sure that was reasons <laughs> like, on um, purpose Let's say, like, favorite scene. It's really just a favorite moment. But remember I said that they buried the bones in the previous movie? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, how are they going to... Re- they've always got to have some story to re- resurrect him. In this case, Kincaid falls asleep. His dog gets pulled into the dream with him. They're in the junkyard where the bones got buried. And the dog lifts his leg to piss on the spot where the, the skeleton was buried. But his urine stream is fire. So there's, like, a stream of fire like a like a flamethrower coming from the dog <laughs> that ignites <gasps> the, the grave and resurrects Freddy from from his grave. <laughs> I want to be on the fly, fly on the wall on yeah. like the writers group like okay yeah. so this here's the deal. Here, this is something in. This something in. And it's like you want to say you can't make this shit up but somebody did. Someone did they're like you know be so just you know mwah. how are we going to bring him bring him Chef's back? Kiss. I got an idea. 
Um, my best Freddie kill for this one is one of the friends. Um, her name is Debbie and she's deathly afraid of insects. Mm-hmm. And so of course her dream death has her, she becomes an insect, her arms get broken and then like grotesque insect, uh, legs grow out of the stumps of her human arms. And then she's trapped in a roach motel and like gets stuck in the glue of the roach motel. And that's how Freddie, I mean, it's just, it's so cringy. Like, and I think that oh. if somebody that really was disgusted by bugs... Like Joe's apartment. Yeah, would find that really, really gross. Yeah, not a fan of roaches. No. Yeah. Um, and then the best Freddie quip from that one, because Joey's character actually dies um, by getting pulled into a waterbed. So it was like a little bit like Johnny Depp in the first one, mm-hmm. except with Joey... Um, first, he had a naked lady um, in his waterbed. Like, he mm-hmm. pulled the sheets back, and there's this, like, hot naked chick is swimming in the water inside his waterbed and he's like hell yeah um but it doesn't go well and uh at the end freddie says how's this for a wet dream uh, <laughs> i think those are that might be one of my favorites so <laughs> that's far. a good one um okay so the next one was the next year 1989 um it was the It was the fifth one, but in a lot of the crediting, it wasn't actually numbered as five. It was just called The Dream Child. Um, And uh, in this one, Alice is back as the main character. Um, And everything seems great with her and her boyfriend, Dan, um, until Freddie dreams just start up again and she can't figure out why. But it turns out that she's actually knocked up. Dan got her pregnant. Ah. (laughs) I know. Whoopsie. How Um, rude. And Freddie has found a way to get to her through the dreams of her perpetually sleeping fetus. Because fetuses dream all the time. What a little sneaky little little scamp. Um, So she realizes she has to rescue the hidden remains of Freddie's mother, Amanda, this time. The nun that got raped by all those maniacs. Mm -hmm. um, Where her remains, Freddie had hid her remains long ago. And if they have any hope of stopping him this time, Mm -hmm. it's going to be about freeing the remains of his mother. Okay. Um, And so I put... I have so many questions. (laughs) Ultimately, I say she and Amanda both resorb their baby boys because that's what, like, the final scene. Like, they free... Like, she and one of her friends that's, like, helping her and everything, like, frees Amanda's bones while Alice is in the dream. And then there's, like, this little, like, bouncing, healthy human baby boy. And then there's this, like, grotesque, nasty baby Freddy fetus thing. And you have... she drop kick it and punt it <laughs> well no because what happened was then alice picks up like the you know rosy cheeked little human baby boy and then amanda in her nun's garb picks up this like writhing squalling grotesque baby freddy fetus and then they both like graphically like absorb it into their abdomens <laughs> and like that you know so alice weird. looks real happy amanda looks less so <laughs> she's like yuck yeah no gross gross um, so that was like probably one of my favorite scenes is when they first introduced that nasty baby Freddy, like the puppetry and everything. Like it was, it was just a really great, like, do you remember in, um, Poltergeist, was it the first one or the second one where Craig T. Nelson's character swallows the tequila worm and yeah. then when he vomits it out, it's that creature. Yes. That even though they don't really look alike, the baby Freddy kind of reminds me of that. Like this just little like scuttling, gross, nasty thing. That's the vibe. 
Yeah, that's the yeah. vibe. That's the vibe. Um, and when baby Freddy first appears and Freddy, like adult Freddy is in the dream as well. And he goes, it's a boy. <laughs> okay, that's funny. <laughs> um, my my favorite Freddy kill from number five is um, when uh, her friend, Alice's friend Greta, whose mom is like dead set on her being a supermodel. So like polices her eating and is all about her being photographed and everything. They're having this dinner and Greta falls asleep. And so in the dream, Freddie is like force feeding her. Mm-hmm. And so her like face gets all distended and she kind of looks like a garbage pail kid. Remember those cards? <sighs> yes. <laughs> um, and so then like in real life, she's like choking at the table and that's how she dies. But in the dream, she's like in this high chair and he's just like cramming food into her mouth. And she's just like trying to spit it all out. This is pretty good. Oh, pretty good. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, and then my pick for best Freddy quip in that one is so when Alice's boyfriend Dan the one that knocked her up he dies pretty early on in a car wreck and when Freddy because he falls asleep and when Freddy is in the car with him in his dream he goes hey Danny better not dream and drive <laughs> oh my god these Sorry. are like dad jo- like murdery <laughs> dad jokes right? right and they just really start to lean into them yeah they're like this is this is fine they're like this is what we do this Mm -hmm. is freddie um okay so now we're to number six it came out in 91 so it was two years later and it was called freddie's dead the final nightmare no it's not no it sure wasn't lying liars um but this one was pretty great too i would say and it's also the last one that heather langenkamp came oh no no heather langenkamp came back no the third she doesn't come back until new nightmare she's not in this one um but what I put for my synopsis is one. Picture this. You're the last remaining teen in Springwood, and Freddie needs you to go out and lure in fresh prey for him. You're John Doe, who is collected by child services under the care of Maggie. You have amnesia, and Maggie takes you to the town you remember to try and trace your background. And other reject kids stow away in the van. Once in the town, uh, we as the viewer learn that Maggie, who never knew she was adopted, is actually Freddie's daughter. Whoa. Uh, um, this is like the cursed child. <laughs> it is. Yeah. For real. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, she stole the whole the idea from child. this. It <laughs> came from Freddie. Freddie Six. Freddie's dead. Um, we also get um, a little bit more of Freddie's origin story because um, we know about his conception and birth and everything. But now we, we actually see him at one point as a child, like smashing the class hamster with a hammer. Uh, while all the kids taunt him by saying, son of a hundred maniacs, son of a hundred maniacs. And I'm like, the teacher's somewhere in this How room. How did this just- even come out? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, everybody was just like, it was full disclosure, baby. This fly is, sorry, there's a massive fly it's, flying it's around. It's huge. It's like the size of a bird. <laughs> he needs to go. Um, okay, so... Yeah, we see that about his childhood. Like, obviously, he was always bad. He was always evil. Somehow, though, he still got married and had a daughter. Um, and then, uh, you know, he he kill he's killing all the children. His wife finds out. Uh, he kills her too. And then, you know, the original story follows through where they decide that, like, he gets off on a technicality and the uh, parents in the community kill him. But the explanation of how he becomes what he is, take we get in this movie, which is when he was burning to death, 
after the parents, you know, torched him, he was approached by these dream demons and they offered him this this power of immortality to continue to exist through dreams. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's how he became what he was after he died. Um, So he wasn't like a grudge manifestation. No. See, throwback to her. Throwback. Those of you that are paying attention. (laughs) Um, But ultimately, at the end of this, his daughter pulls him back into the real world, as we see happen in a lot of these, this idea of being able to grab something from your dreams and bringing it out. Mm -hmm. She brings him out um, and they kill him. Yeah. Um, For the cast in this one, notably, Brecken Meyer is in it. Who's that? Um, so he was one of the the friends in Clueless. He was like a little bit. Of, he's a cutie pie, and he was in some stuff in like the early mid nineties. I think you'd recognize he him sounds, if you saw him. Yeah, probably. Um, and then now, uh, now I gotta know Yafet Koto, which I I can't. I I think he was on Homicide Life on the Streets. Um, but anyway, he was actually oh, like a Clueless. pretty. Brecken Meyer. Yes, that's what Clueless. It, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> um. But so there was some there were some, you know, good good performers in there. Um, however, my favorite and I had to make a whole list of favorite scenes because there was a slew of cameos in this one. First of all, we had Tom Arnold and Roseanne Barr. What the heck? As a, a couple living in Springwood. And so Springwood now, you know, has no children left. Freddie has killed all of them except for this one that he's now sent out to bring more in. Mm-hmm. And so when they go back, all the adults there are like freaking out because all their kids are gone. Yeah. And so Roseanne Barr is like, do you want to come live with us? It's been so long since we've had children in the house. And Tom Arnold rushes up and he's like, you know the children bring him? Don't talk to them. So they have this whole like bit with, with Roseanne and Tom. Um, there's also a cameo where at one point um, Brecken Meyer's character Spencer is watching TV and it's a, you know, that whole this is your brain, this is your brain on drugs commercial yeah. comes on and it's Johnny Depp. Oh. And at the end of it, you know how they go, this is your brain on drugs, any questions? Uh-huh. Freddie shows up, smashes Johnny Depp in the face with a frying pan and goes, yeah, what are you on? Looks like some eggs to a frying pan to me. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's really perfect. Um, and then, last but not least, mm-hmm. Alice Cooper is in it. Okay, what's he doing? He plays Freddie's like foster father when Freddie is like late teens, uh-huh. who like abused him and beat him. Oh darn! But like, <laughs> I know you wanted him to be a good guy. <laughs> I did. Look on, Alice. Um, but like, Freddie is like such a psychopath that he's like, yeah, keep whipping me. I don't care. I'm into this. I just mm-hmm. spent this, the last half hour cutting myself with a razor. Let's do this. Oh, um, yikes. but yeah. So there's like a whole. They got a whole bunch of like random. celebs to sign on to be in this one um my best uh pick for best freddy kill on this one is spencer breckenmeyer's character because he's a video game uh nerd Mm -hmm. and so in his dream he is like the mario in the video game or whatever yeah and so in real life his body is doing all these insane things like bouncing like boing 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 like around the house Uh um and so the people that are awake and watching it are like what the fuck is going on that's not natural no but that it was it was a pretty good one and then um the I would say the best Freddie quote. There was a couple that I wrote down, but it's it's not a quip, but it's an it's an epic line. Is that because his whole point was for to be um, have be taken out of Springwood so that he could continue to prey on people, mm-hmm. um, and so he says every town has an Elm Street. 
He's not wrong. He's not wrong. It is absolutely true. Just like every state has a Springwood. Oh, does it? I mean, probably. I don't know. Um, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. Okay, we only got three more. Okay. Rolling. Rolling on through. Wes Craven's New Nightmare in 1994 was the uh, first time since the original movie that Wes Craven was actually involved in the project. Yeah. Yeah. Heather Langenkamp comes back. John Saxon comes back. um, And they are playing themselves in the real world as Mm -hmm. the actors and actresses that made the original Freddy Krueger movies. Robert Englund is in it. Um, So in the real world now, actress Heather lives happily with her husband, who's an FX guy named Chase, and their cute little son, Dylan, played by Miko Hughes, who was the little baby from Pet Cemetery, (gasps) And he was on Full House and he was in Kindergarten Cop. He's so cute. Um, so Heather learns that her old pal Wes Craven has started writing a script for a new Freddy movie and soon it's revealed that the script he's writing is actually the real life events unfolding in Heather's life in real time. And we find that the myth is that Freddy's demonic essence was trapped for all these years in the films that were being made. But when they stopped making the movies, Freddy was able to start breaking through into the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... Uh, a cool thing in this is like Wes Craven actually is in it as himself, R.I.P. <laughs> and then <laughs> actually R.I.P. Yes. Actually R.I.P. And then uh, Robert Shea, who produced all of them. Mm-hmm. And he is brother to Lynn Shea, the reason that she got cast in the first one in that bit part as Nancy's school teacher. Yeah. Um, that began her career was because he's like, you got to put my sister in this. Um, she actually returns in this one in a bit part as a nurse. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, Bob, Robert Shea is in it as himself as well. Um, so it's uh, it, it's actually I mean, I, I think it's pretty good for, mm-hmm. you know, for what it is. Yeah. Um, and it's cool to see Robert Englund playing himself because mm-hmm. like there's a point in it where he is dressed up as Freddie for like a PR thing but then the rest of it he's just Robert and it's funny to think about you know the people that play these characters and then the actors and actresses and everybody that know them as just normal people yeah you know I saw him at a convention you did he was at the table and I was like nope no what oh I would have been all over that I'd have been like can I have a hug <laughs> Yeah, it was cool. Little snuggle. Robert England. Robert England. I want to say it was in Atlanta, that huge, huge convention. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Hmm. Yeah, he's a cool dude. He seems cool, but I was like, no, I don't really want to meet Freddy. And I know I might be stupid feeling that way, but also the line was insane. So I was like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Meh. Yeah, like not, 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 not worth it for me. And also, no. <laughs> Um, I think one of my favorite, it's kind of a micro scene in this one, but there's a point when Heather is dreaming. We don't realize it at the time, but, um, so Dylan, her son, he's like five or so. And, um, you know, Miko Hughes plays a really good, creepy little kid, but he's also adorable and sweet. And so it's the perfect role to be like, um, infested or plagued by Freddy's like demonic spirit and so she comes upon him in the dark in their house in the kitchen in the middle of the night and he's got his hand behind his back and he's taped kitchen knives to four of his fingers and then like brings it out and brandishes it like he's gonna cut her uh-huh. um, and it turns out that it's just a dream but it's so perfect because like we have that Im- or I have that image in my head of Miko Hughes when he was like two in Pet Cemetery, like uh. wielding a scalpel and actually like killing people yes um so that i i really like that scene from this one he was so cute 
Um, my best Freddy kill from this one is when um, Dylan, her son, has been hospitalized for, you know, his trauma and everything. And his uh, babysitter, Julie, she's a pretty big character. And she's in the room with him, like taking care of him on Heather's behalf. And Freddy shows up and Freddy kills Julie. But it's um, it's in an homage to Tina's death. Mm-hmm. From the original, like she's picked up in the air, she's shaken, she's clawed, she's dragged across the ceiling, leaving like the blood streaks and everything. And so it's definitely like meant to be just like that scene from the original. Mm-hmm. So I appreciated that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then there weren't a lot of good Freddy quotes in this one because the characterization of Freddy, they changed for this movie because it was supposed to not be Robert anymore. Mm-hmm. It was supposed to be this demon. And so okay. he didn't really talk as much or say a lot. But mm-hmm. there was one point in the final battle when uh, they had tipped their, you know, they're in a dreamscape and there was like this thing of eels that had been tipped over and he was like mashing Heather's face into this pile of writhing eels. Mm-hmm. And he goes, pick a pet for the rug rat, bitch. Oh, <laughs> And then she grabbed an eel and she stabbed him in the eye with it, which isn't something I could thought you could do with an eel. Well, now add that to my arsenal of Absolutely. possible weapons. You keep I an eel need. in your belt. Um, but yeah, so that that was New Nightmare. And I felt like especially it was only two years before Wes Craven made Scream. So mm-hmm. it was like, you know, it, it had some elements, some of the same feel. Obviously, Scream was vastly superior mm-hmm. um but i liked uh the idea of Wes craven trying to like come back to this story that he originated that just went off the rails yeah for a decade yeah. in all of these wacky movies and he's just sitting back this whole time watching it and then thinking of him trying like reclaiming it in this way yeah mm-hmm. i like that that was pretty fun yeah it's a fun um fun way to do it like just have the actors and stuff it's kind of a weird you know, way to look at it. Oh, yeah. From the real world lens. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's fun. Um, so the next one that came out um, was almost 10 years later in 2003 was Freddy versus Jason, which, you know, is not technically a Freddy sequel, but I fucking love this movie. Um, I did. The, I'm very minimal on it, um, even though. So Robert Englund uh, is still in it as Freddy. Kelly Rowland from Destiny's Child. This is her big oh acting God. debut. Um But Freddy taps into Jason in the underworld to go out and start killing to reignite the fear that allows Freddy to hunt. Because basically, people in the real world have figured out how to make the kids forget about Freddy. And if they forget about him, he can't get into their dreams. So he's like, I'm going to resurrect Jason and he's going to start killing people. And then that's going to reignite the fear. And then I'll be able to start killing, too. Uh, but then Jason won't stop. And the battle between them begins between Freddie and Jason with the teen crew kind of caught in the middle. Um, in the end, like in the final scene, um, ultimately, Jason does behead Freddie and he's walking away from Crystal Lake with Freddie's head um, in his hand. Um, and, but then at the last moment, Freddie's head comes alive. Like he opens his eyes and like, you're like, ah, ha, 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 and then it cuts to black. So it's kind of like obviously leaving it open mm-hmm. for more of whatever they want. And actually this movie was um, teased at the end of Jason Goes to Hell. Mm-hmm. One of the Jason sequels, because at the end of that Jason sequel, when they finally destroyed Jason and his hockey mask goes flying into the front yard of this house and it lands on like this loose soil. And then Freddie's glove pops out of the soil, grabs the hockey mask and pulls it under. And then that goes to credits. So That's they kind of fun. Yeah. So they like they they foreshadowed this film in that Jason movie. 
Um, and yeah, no, it's just, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. It's so, it's terrible, but in the best way possible. Mm -hmm. I absolutely love it. Um, so, and then I have to acknowledge the remake. I watched like half of it. Yeah. What did you think? I, I liked it before I watched it again. Okay. I don't know. This time I felt it was kind of just a bummer. A lot of it. Yeah. I don't know. I think I liked Robert England's portrayal of the character. Oh, yeah, yeah. A lot more. But I did feel... I liked the other... Like, the teenagers. I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. But... I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it came out in 2010. Uh, Jackie Earl Haley was the new Freddy Krueger. And I think that... I personally think that he hit a good note between portraying the character, but not trying to copy Robert England. He did make it his own a little bit with his voice and... Um, his his style while also obviously having to look exactly the same with the same sweater and hat and burned face and everything mm-hmm. but his voice and the way that he spoke was um i feel like was kind of unique yeah. and i i liked it. i mean i i agree that robert englands will always be superior because he is freddy mm-hmm. um but i didn't think that uh, jackie earl haley did a bad job um, i don't think it was bad i just preferred preferred it oh yeah yeah so um, and yeah, so the the teenage characters, the they were great performers. So Rooney Mara was the new Nancy, who famously has said that she regrets making this movie. She thinks it's garbage. She thinks it's terrible. She wishes she'd never done it. Um, oh. Which I don't love th- about that about her. I think that she's fabulous. I love a lot of the work that she's done, mm-hmm. and I wish that she didn't shit all over this movie. Um, yeah, but I think that she does a fantastic job. Um, Kyle Gallner. Um, who was in Haunting in Connecticut mm-hmm. is one of the teenagers. Katie Cassidy, who was in the Black Christmas remake, uh-huh. is another one. Kellen Lutz from the Twilight movies mm-hmm. um, is another one. Connie Britton, who we all know and love. We love her in yeah. American Horror Story. Um, yeah, she is Nancy's mom. Um, and then even in a very, very small part, Aaron Yu, who is a pretty recognizable character actor in a lot of scary stuff. He was in um, the Friday the 13th remake from 2009. Um but what I wrote on this one was just that it was very close to the original in most elements, except Nancy doesn't have a boyfriend, Glenn, but her rather she has a love interest who's Quentin. She's linked to the other kids by their preschool class. Freddie was a groundskeeper at the school who abused them, but they've all forgotten about it. The parents killed him like in the, the original, and he came back for the kids that ratted on him. Uh, Nancy tracks down the deaths of the others online. Um... And there is a fun element where she and Quentin briefly think that they as children wrongly accused Freddie of abusing them. And that's why he's exacting revenge, because they lied and then their parents killed him. And now that's why he's coming back for them. Uh, But it turns out that he was indeed guilty. And in this case of implied sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. which was never an element of Robert Englund's Freddy Krueger. Like there was never any implication that he was molesting children. He was just killing them. Mm -hmm. But in this one, it's pretty clear that that was an element of the abuse that was happening. Because obviously none of these children died when they were little right um they were just abused by him um and then nancy and quentin in the end defeat freddie um there's a couple of scenes that are like definite like they took exactly from the original um the character chris who's a a girl um her death is exactly like tina's death with her boyfriend jesse instead of rod being in the room with her and then the whole concept of jesse running because he thinks he's gonna get 
uh, blamed for it and then he dies in jail like that's all very parallel and then the the shot with nancy in the bathtub where the glove comes up between her legs out of the water Mm -hmm. they do that one again um so for I had a favorite scene. There's one moment where um, they, they introduce this concept of micro napping that if you've been awake for too long, then um, your brain just starts shutting down for short periods of time to try and recharge and you don't even realize you're asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's a point where Nancy is coming into a pharmacy to try and get Quentin and her brain is like doing these little micro nappings. And so they edited the scene. It's like fusing together where she's walking down an aisle in the pharmacy, but it keeps cutting into like... Um, a hall in in the boiler room or uh-huh. you know and um, Freddie's there but then he's not and it keeps flickering back and forth between like this bright bright light of this pharmacy to like the the dark dim smoky setting of the boiler room and that song that dream yeah. that song is playing um, in the pharmacy so that's like overlaid on it and just I, I really thought that that scene was cool the way that they edited it together mm-hmm. I think that was my favorite part of that and then Freddie Jackie Earl Haley's Freddy was not very punny, mm-hmm. um, but uh, he does say some cool things. Like at one point, he's like, why are you screaming? I haven't even cut you yet. <laughs> it's like, all right, bro. You're like, well, you look a little scary and um, I yeah. feel like you might murder me. So Yeah. So that one, like I, I would recommend it to anyone. I thought that. And again, it's it's 2010. So it's it's right in that zone of like horror remakes from that era that I've been a big fan of. Mm -hmm. You know, we talk about them a lot, like the Texas Chainsaw and like all of those that came out in the, in the 2000 to 2010 range. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I, that this falls into that category for me that I really liked. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked it, but I don't know. There's just something about it this time around where I was like, Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It maybe you definitely would get a different, different take on it. Rewatching it. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so that, that's the franchise. Um, and I'm obviously like a big fan of seeing all of these movies many, many times. Um, and I will always find them enjoyable and entertaining. And I don't find them scary. But um, I love them. And I think people should watch them. I think that if you like this, the horror genre, you should at least watch the first one. Yeah, I would say well, maybe the third one with... Um, not to jump ahead to like parent corner, but like when I was trying to decide like with grace of, okay, I'm not going to make her sit down and watch all what are the eight, eight of these movies. Um, we watched, uh, the first one, the third one and new nightmare. So it's the Heather Langenkamp trilogy, basically mm-hmm. the three movies that Heather Langenkamp is actually in with the Nancy character. Yeah. I was like, if you're, if you don't want to watch the whole thing, watch those three. Yeah. Because you get the two Wes Craven projects and then the most, the the best sequel, the best mm-hmm. of all the sequels. Yes. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. The, you know, if you don't, if you don't want to like kind of open that can of worms. And <laughs> you don't want to like, spend you know 60 what? hours of your life. <laughs> Unless you're like sick with COVID and you can stay home and watch yeah but maybe it. you shouldn't do that like be fever dreaming watching freddy all day mm-hmm. and all that's night. a good point too um so victor's asking if you want ice cream from cold stone oh what a sweetie no oh, i'm okay okay it, it would probably give me more more lung blockage of some kind um yeah the dairy especially yeah but yeah so uh in in other terms of like parent corner these are actually 
I, the early movie and sequels are pretty good options, I think, for horror newbies mm-hmm. because they're only mildly scary. Yeah. And generally they don't have a t- too much blood in them. Obviously, there's violence. I mean, Freddy's trying to slash people with his knives, um, but it's not like Texas Chainsaw violence. Um, and there's usually not. I mean, there's there's some like innuendo and stuff but not any overt like adult sexual content or anything like that um so i think that like most of these would be pretty good if you've got you know a an interested young horror movie fan yeah that this would be a good way to go and it's it's a lot of material so if you show them the first one and they're like yeah freddie's awesome then you've got your set for a while keep going just keep going (laughs) i think charlotte watched half of it maybe the last half and Mm -hmm. she's like what's this and she's like ooh so I don't know if she likes it or not there's like the blood spurting everywhere from the The shining yeah but it's just it looks so fake you know yes yeah, I mean, I don't. It's think not it like be. blood spurting because, because like in the in the remake, what I had actually put down, and I didn't mention the best kill from that one. Kellen Lutz's character dies at the very beginning, and in the dream, Freddie is cutting his throat with a knife. But in real life, like his girlfriend is watching him like bury this kitchen knife into his throat and like fully like almost decapitation level like yeah. cut his own throat, and it's pretty intense. Yeah, um, and so like that. You know, there's nothing like that in the early ones. Yeah, yeah. So not like, you know, nightmare inducing for no, children. No, it's not, it's not actually going to be like... It doesn't look like these things are actually happening to these people. It's not It's not produced believably. What if I get sucked through the door? <laughs> my front door. Oh my God. I'm afraid of front doors with glass windows in them now. I don't want it. <laughs> get away. Uh, well, okay. Yeah. Good um, recaps of all the movies I don't want to watch. <laughs> Thank you for being patient while I I reveled in in this series that means so very much to me. Well, I'm glad we I did it for you. I know so, that's and that's that's you. friendship right there. Yeah. yeah, I did it for you. It's yeah. all for you, Katie. <laughs> it's all for you, Katie. As she jumps off the roof of my manor. I know. Um, And this this episode is supposed, I believe, is supposed to post on October 1st. So it will officially be. I mean, it's already spooky season at Meredith's. But for the rest of the world, for real spooky season, when you are listening to this episode, it is October, baby. I'm so excited. I know you are. Every, Every October, I get so excited. Well, actually, no, like halfway through September, I'm like, yeah, yes, 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 yes. <laughs> and then it's October, I'm like, yes, 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 and then Halloween, and then I get just monumentally depressed. Yeah, she goes November. through a real downturn after and Halloween. And I'm like, who cares about anything? Everything's stupid. <laughs> Turkeys are stupid, so is football. Santa's stupid. Ugh. Ugh. Like, I hate it all. And it's winter now. <laughs> Ew. And I have to keep teaching. <laughs> all bad. So I'm, I'm going to... Be stoked for a while, I think. Yeah. It's still September. So. I'm going to try and get, uh, keep our Halloween uh, energy up and go with another pretty heavy hitter for our yes. next episode. Yes. Child's Play. The original from 1988. Child's Play. Yeah. So, because we were talking about it, there's the show. And I think it'd be fun to watch the remake also. But we will be primarily talking about the original. The original. original. And there's a handful. I mean, actually, there's more than a handful of sequels. But we will not be giving them as much attention as we did these Nightmare sequels because they're not as meaningful to us personally. No, no. I mean, I hear they're fun, but nah. 
Yeah, but to be prepared, wa- yes. definitely watch the original and then possibly check in on the remake because I am a huge fan of the remake. I love it. I heard it was um, good, so I would like to watch that. But anyway, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed all of these not Friday the 13th <laughs> recaps, but Nightmare on Elm Street, our heavy hitter for beginning of um, Halloween spooky season. Happy October. Uh, yay. Bye. Bye.